Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. We are gathered here today, October the 2nd, 2023, to talk about a 101 win Orioles team. I watched it all, and it's still hard to believe, but the results cannot be disputed. This was a great regular season for the team, greater than anyone could have imagined back in March, greater than has been seen from the Orioles since Camden Yards opened, greater than any Orioles team has done in 162 games, going back to the 1979 Orioles. It really seems like nobody, starting from Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde on down into all the players, really could have expected this before the season. I think it seemed like from what they all said after clinching the AL East people were in the clubhouse and in the front office were thinking the team could be better than people thought. But 101 wins? No, come on. That's crazy because for even very, very good baseball teams, it is hard to win 101 games as evidenced by their only being one team that exceeded that number in all of MLB this year, not even the Dodgers, who were also great, did so well. They were 162, 100 wins, 62 losses. And the Orioles, 101 and 61. I, it's amazing. It's wonderful. And I hope it means good things for their ability to go deep into the postseason. Starting today, the Orioles will have five days off. It's an unqualified plus for the team to be able to set up its rotation however it would like. Relievers can get rested. Banged up position players, if there are any that have not been disclosed, which it seems like probably there have been, can get rested too. The only real downside is that we have to spend those five days where the freshest memory about the Orioles is the not-so-pretty regular season finale, a 6-1 to loss to the Red Sox that saw the Orioles commit three errors, two of which were committed by Gunnar Henderson and had they had five unearned runs score in the game. Orioles batters were no hit until there were two outs in the sixth inning. That is also not encouraging. The team had just two hits overall. And really for the offense, this trend continued something over the last week plus of the season. Although again, I mean, the Orioles managed to win enough games in that time to get their clincher and then some. They finished two games ahead of the Rays when all was said and done, and they had the second-best record in Major League Baseball, behind only the Atlanta Braves with 104 wins. So, you know, it's easy for me to say this because other life obligations meant I actually didn't watch any of the regular season finale. But even so, don't worry about it. The last game was totally meaningless, and it it just uh, it, it was as meaningless as spring training results are for the regular season. It feels like they should be because you just want to put that connection together, but actually they don't. The offense is struggles. Gunnar Henderson errors. They don't matter either. It makes me think there's a classic webcomic you might have heard of XKCD. You can find it at XKCD.com. It is just a little stick figure comic with pithy remarks. And there's one strip I always remember because it talks about sports analysis One stick figure says to another in the first panel, a weighted random number generator just produced new results. And then in the second panel, the second stick figure says, let's use them to form narratives. It is the human tendency. We want to think that things happen for a reason, that they are part of some larger trend that you can 100% understand and predict. But, you know, baseball, although it's not a game of random chance, on a day-to-day basis, it is random whether you get success or failure from a team. 
you know, of course, even those Atlanta Braves who won 104 games this year, they lost 58 games of the 162 that they played. And on the flip side, the Oakland Athletics, the worst team in the league this year, they um, they won 50 games out of 162, which, you know, we saw the 2018 Orioles do even worse than that. 47 and 115. But again, even that team won 47 games out of the 162 game schedule. So it's, uh, you know, it's only over a long haul that you can get a sense of what a team is. And friends, the Orioles won 101 games over the long haul of the regular season. They won the AL East that had two other playoff teams while handily winning the season series against both of those other playoff teams. They won at home. They won on the road. They won against winning teams, against losing teams. They won on grass, on turf. They won at night. They won in the day. They won against righties. They won against lefties. The Orioles won against the AL East, the AL Central, the AL West, and the National League. They won in extra innings. They won 1-1 games. They won blowouts. They had a winning record every single month, counting March and April and September and October together, which neither the 2014 Orioles, nor the 1997 wire-to-wire Orioles, the last, the two last AL East winning Orioles teams could say. Neither one of those teams did it. The 2014 Orioles were 500 in April and in May, and the 1997 Orioles were 13 and 16 in September, and even that below 500 September, as we know, it did not impact their ability to advance at least into the ALCS. So then, you know, there, there was nothing to worry about. So, What matters is what happens starting on Saturday when the Orioles are going to play the winner of the Rays-Rangers wildcard round. The standings, they got shook up in the final day uh, in terms of who was what seed because the Rangers lost one to nothing and their loss combined with the Houston Astros win actually gave the Astros the AL West uh, lead by tiebreaker, head-to-head tiebreaker. And then the Jays lost to drop to wildcard three instead of wildcard two. Now, you could wonder, did the Jays lose on purpose so that they could get a first-round matchup against the Minnesota Twins, who have made the playoffs six times since 2006 and nine times since 2002, but have not won a playoff game since 2004 or a playoff series since 2002? Well, only the Toronto Blue Jays can say that, but I guess if you wanted to try and get the what you think is the Cursed Twins, uh, there are worse things to do than bomb your last regular season game. Now, you know, I have no position on who I want to see the Orioles face uh, out of the Rays or the Rangers. I will tell you, I learned my lesson in 2014 because unquestionably, I was excited to see The Orioles faced the Royals in that ALCS. The Orioles were absolutely the superior team. I think the Royals, they were a fluke team that fluked into both its wildcard and ALDS wins. And then they fluked their way into a sweep of the Orioles into the World Series as well. And then won the dang thing the next year with really the same kind of fluky stuff. I mean, I think the Orioles, they could beat either the Rangers or the Rays in a best of five. And they could also lose to either one. They did go 8-5 and five against the Rays in the regular season and exactly even 48 runs scored and runs allowed, a zero run differential against the Rays. And they were 3-3 three and three in the regular season against the Texas Rangers. The Orioles did have a negative run differential against the Rangers 
uh, at 19 scored and 26 allowed. But what I really hope, with no preference between these two teams, I hope they play three 16-inning games because, remember, in the playoffs, there's no more zombie runner. And I hope that an exhausted winner that has to play three exhausting games and then gets only one day off before flying to Baltimore is who will end up facing the Orioles. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. Okay, so a quick check in to the mailbag. I got a message from listener James who wrote into a in response to a much earlier episode in which I talked about the Orioles as potential uh, representations of various gods of chaos from different real and fictional mythologies. And James at that time wrote and brought up to me a villain he knew I would recognize from the video game Final Fantasy VI named Kefka. Halfway through that game, Kefka seizes godlike power and remakes the world according to his whims. And James wrote back after the Orioles clinched the AL East with a gif of Kefka doing his signature laugh. And James, I just want to say, I think the comparison to Kefka for the Orioles as agents of chaos has turned out to be a great call. Of course, in Final Fantasy VI, the heroes do not dethrone Kefka until one year after he takes over the world. So let's hope that the Orioles can hold on to the throne for at least that long. If you have a topic or a question for a future episode, you can email camdencastpod at gmail.com. So you know what? From here, it is super exciting. The Orioles are 11 wins away from winning the World Series. They would have to win three games to win the American League Division Series, four games to win the American League Championship Series, four games to win the World Series. Four plus three plus three, it's 11. So that's, that's wonderful. It's fun to be able to say that. But the Orioles, of course, they're also three losses away from getting bounced in the first round and then everyone saying how much they overachieved, how they were a fraud, whatever. And that's the, that's the other side of the excitement. It's the terrifying part because, I mean, really, I don't know. I mean, though the Orioles, they're a team without a lot of postseason experience. They're also a team that has been playing tough and close games all year. So... I don't know. Is that going to matter? It can't hurt, I don't think, but it doesn't guarantee that they're going to win. The Orioles have four different three or more game losing streaks this year, which actually it's kind of crazy that they only had four. But if they have one more or if they lose three of four or three of five, that's it. Kaput. The 2023 season could be abruptly over by uh, as early as next Tuesday. And that would stink. So I don't know, but although this may sound strange, if you have listened to all the worrying I've done over the previous 72 episodes of this podcast, um, when it comes to thinking about the 2023 Orioles and the postseason, here is my philosophy. If you want to find something to worry about and focus on that as a potential Achilles heel of the team, you can. It's true. You can do it. It is not hard to find something to worry about, about the 2023 Orioles heading into the postseason. You know, you can worry about the bullpen. There being Felix Bautista officially being gone. There have been some recent sketchy performances by several relievers who figure to be kind of in the middle innings if they are needed in the course of a playoff series. Uh, that includes like Shintaro Fujinami. It includes CNL Perez in the final regular season game. It includes 
Mike Bauman at Norfolk even in the Triple A championship game. And it's just, you know, it's not as good of a bullpen if you don't have the nearly automatic Bautista able to strike out guys at the very back end. And you can worry about the offense having several streaky hitters who could easily go like oh for whatever over a best of five series or only get one hit or whatever. I mean, that's that's legitimate worry. It's there. It's true. Um, you could worry about the rotation because even the guys who have performed well in the second half of the season are exceeding their career highs. Certainly that's the case for both Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez. And it's also even the case for Dean Kramer, whose previous high before this season was 125 and a third innings. And he has thrown 172 and two thirds innings this year. So these guys, they haven't pitched in October before. Well, other than Kyle Bradish getting two innings on October the 1st, if you really want to be a smart aleck, but they haven't pitched postseason games before. And so it's like, what what's going to happen? I don't know. You can be worried about that, certainly, if you want. But I'm just going to say this. You know what? It's better to be excited. You're going to have more fun if you get excited over the next five days than if you spend five days dreading that. Because there is a lot that has been awesome about the Orioles this year. And I really genuinely don't think that any team of the post in the postseason that ends up playing the Orioles is really going to be like, okay, you know what? The Orioles, they won 101 games, but actually they were kind of frauds and they were overachievers and they're not actually that good. And we're just going to be able to go in and beat them. I don't think any team is going to think that uh, because although some other team might come in and beat the Orioles, there are also a lot of ways that the Orioles can beat some other team. Because, I mean, honestly, like even the Atlanta Braves, who, again, they won 104 games because so much went right right for them, like Ronald Acuna Jr. having an unprecedented 41 home run, 73 stolen bases over the course of this season, the 40-70 achievement, although it is, you know, not a common one uh, celebrated, like the 30-30 club or whatever, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal thing. That kind of combination in one player in one season is unheard of. You had Matt Olson leading all of MLB with 54 dingers. There were three other players on the Atlanta Braves with 33 or more home runs, which is five home runs more than anyone on the Orioles had. So they had five guys with more home runs than any player on the Orioles did. So they had all of that. And what? They got three wins more than the Orioles, and they didn't even play in the division that had the 98-win Rays constantly at the beginning of the season. It was the Rays constantly out of reach, and once that flipped around in the middle of July, still the Orioles had to keep winning to stay ahead of the Rays, and they kept winning all the way down till the very end. The Orioles, they won the games that they needed to win, although they did lose some frustrating ones here and there. I don't think any team looking at that should think, okay, we can just walk all over these guys. They should be nervous about playing the Orioles because, you know, Anthony Santander could come in and Homer in four straight games. He could like hit six home runs in the course of one series. Gunnar Henderson could take like any righty onto Utah street at any time. I think Adley Rutschman could post a 500 on base percentage for a series. Jorge Mateo could come off the bench and greatly increase the odds of getting a late inning tying or go ahead run by stealing second or stealing third. 
And waiting for what happens, I think even as much as you might worry about the bullpen, it's also entirely possible that like the maybe completely unexpected combination of like D.L. Hall and Tyler Wells might be about to unleash a legendary strikeout late in the postseason, either one or both of them. And that's to say nothing of all-star Yenier Cano, who's not a strikeout machine, but is a ground ball machine in front of a pretty good defense. You know, he had an all-star bid for a good reason, and although he struggled a bit after appearing in the all-star game, he still had a wonderful season. And the starting rotation, I mean, you're going to say Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, one, two, three, and four. I don't know, John Means, Dean Kramer. Like, there's no one there who's a household name yet, but any one or more of those guys could be about to author his great October moment, I think. I mean, of course, John Means already has an individual no-hitter in his uh, in his trophy case. Bradish Rodriguez, not so much, but these guys, they were great in the second half. And that is a tough one-two, I think, for any one, any team to really get past. And, like, if you're playing the Orioles in the ALDS round, whether that's the Rays or the Rangers, you're going to have them one-two. And in if the Orioles make it to any seven-game series, Bradish and Rodriguez, you're probably going to have to face twice if the series goes six or seven games. And although there are other teams that have good starting rotations out there, I think the Blue Jays certainly have uh, five guys who've been pretty darn consistent as they had five starting pitchers with an ERA under four. Uh, Kevin Gossman, of course, the former Oriole, is probably going to be their game one guy if they can line it up that way. That's a tough guy to go one-on-one. But all of Jose Barrios, Chris Bassett, Yusei Kikuchi, Hyunjin Ryu, all of them under four. So, yeah, that's a tough starting rotation, too. The Orioles, maybe we'll have to face them in the ALCS at the earliest, since that's not even a division series opponent. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I if I don't think any team should want to be like, okay, we can we can beat their starting rotation. The the team I was maybe the most worried about, like matching the Orioles rotation to rotation, was the Mariners, and they didn't make it. They didn't make it in part because, despite their great starting rotation, that series the Orioles played in Seattle. Um, that's why that's part of why Seattle didn't make it. You know, the uh, the Cedric Mullins game was part of why the Orioles winning the one to nothing game in 10 innings, even though the Rangers had their starting pitcher, George Kirby, shut out the Orioles for nine innings. And still, the Orioles won that game, even though it was Cole Irvin starting the game. And that was an Orioles victory, man. And here, the Seattle Mariners, literally, if they had won one or two more games, they would have been in the postseason. And they didn't. They didn't do it. And Part of that is that Orioles series in July. And, well, they're not in the postseason. So, again, I mean, the Orioles, they have been forged in some tough and some crazy games over the course of this season. Those Mariners ones, those roller coasters out there, that's absolutely part of it. I think the Orioles really had to show a lot of fortitude as a team and as some of them individually as well to get past what, get through the regular season with the record that they have done. I think a wise team would be as wary of the Orioles as I am of any team that the Orioles might play over the course of this postseason if they should be fortunate enough to have multiple postseason opponents. Before I wrap up, one more quick congratulations to the Norfolk Tides. We congratulated them last episode for winning the International League Championship Series, and then they went on uh, on Saturday night to win a 7-6 to roller coaster over the Oklahoma City 
Dodgers AAA affiliate to claim this year's AAA championship. Colton Kowser and Connor Norby, who of course were consecutive draft picks by the Orioles in the 2021 draft, each homered in the game. Kowser hit a grand slam, and that was a big part of why Norfolk was able to win. And it's just another reminder, the prospects who have helped the Tides to the record and the postseason wins that they got this year are another reason to be excited about the future for the Orioles beyond this year. But you know what? We don't have to think about 2024 for at least another eight days and hopefully several, a couple more weeks beyond that because the 2023 Orioles are still going. The end of the regular season for the first time in seven years is not the end of Orioles baseball this year. That's pretty cool. We'll see what happens starting on Saturday. A programming note, there is possibly not going to be a Wednesday podcast this week. I've got to figure out whether I can swing that and whether I'm even going to have something to talk about, but I will definitely be back on Friday to talk about the coming ALDS once we know who is going to be playing the Orioles. And for the rest of the postseason, I will try my very best to do a podcast the day after every Orioles game. So stay tuned. Let us hope it is going to be a long month of shows for me and for you to listen to. That's all that I've got for today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite platform and tell an Orioles fan you know about the show. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's!